episode of Ghibli Jabber. I'm Nick, and I'm here with... Trevor. On each episode of Ghibli Jabber, we discuss one of the works of Japanese film studio Studio Ghibli through the eyes of a fan, that's me, and a complete noob, that's Trevor. Today we're going to be discussing 1988's Grave of the Fireflies. This is the first Studio Ghibli film directed by someone other than Hayao Miyazaki, in this case studio co-founder Isao Takahata. Now Trevor, as you indicated last week, the studio was concerned about the financial success of both this film and Miyazaki's My Neighbor Totoro, so they were screened together as a bit of a double bill. So say you sat through My Neighbor Totoro, went to get some concession, or whatever you call it, got back into your seat ready for another gentle fantasy, only to experience Grave of the Fireflies, <laughs> a film about a young boy and his little sister who struggled to survive in Japan during World War II. What would your reaction have been? Um, I, I would have been dumbfounded, to be honest. I can't imagine two wildly different films being screened together. I mean, we kind of talked about this last week. My Neighbor Totoro, it's a, there, there are two different stories happening in My Neighbor Totoro. There's a fantasy happening for the kids, and then there is a very serious film about childhood trauma happening at the same exact time that I think that adults could could recognize. And then you get Grave of the Fireflies, which is just 1000% trauma. And I can't imagine following up a screening of My Neighbor Totoro, which had some comic relief and some fun moments to just sheer despair. Well, I guess, I mean, that's sort of the same way you, you watched it, right? I mean, you probably weren't really super prepared for what this would have been. No. Like. What, what, was your, what was your take on it, especially in comparison I, to the, the Miyazaki movies before? I was not prepared for this movie. I mean, I assumed, I was like, oh, Fireflies is in the title. That sounds kind of fun. Is there going to be some, <laughs> some, like, great moments with Fireflies? And don't get me wrong, there are, but... This, hands down, is probably one of the top five films. I'm going to preface, I'm a big movie buff. I've seen a lot of movies in my days. This is probably one of the top five films that I've I've cried hardest in my entire life. Well, yeah, I, I did think you would um, enjoy this one quite a bit, just because you seem to <laughs> enjoy the ones that um, take the <laughs> subject matter more seriously. Well... well what what moments got you with this? What, or was it just sort of the general pit of despair that you're thrown into throughout the entire film, sort of cumulatively making you more and more upset? It, first and foremost, yes, I do. I tend to like films that are more grounded in reality. I mean, this is why I've never watched, I never before this podcast watched a Studio Ghibli film because, yes, I've seen some anime films in my life, um, but I just have never been drawn to the more fantastical and like, um spectacles not the thing that i'm drawn to most i'm drawn to characters and i'm drawn to stories and plots that resonate with us as human beings and that tend to tell uh universal human truths and so yes i resonate with this film more so because it was i guess i never expected to have an anime film from 1988 tell a world war ii story from 1945 in such a brutal um no hold nothing back kind of way down to the shot of the maggots on the mother's body like 
I did not expect an anime film to give me that. I didn't expect the hyper-realism of that moment. And it was, it was not a moment of passive viewing. It was active, active viewing that commanded my attention, that commanded emotion in a very visceral, visceral way. How about you? Like, what are you, how old were you when you, <laughs> wait, but how old were you when you first saw this? Um, I feel like I watched all of these around the same time, perhaps between 14, 15, 16. I, and I remember watching it thinking that, oh, this is a very important movie. And I knew at the time that it was very well received by critics. I knew that Roger Ebert really loved it. I mean, of all the Ghibli films, this is maybe the best film that I don't revisit that often for obvious reasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's definitely not. I respect that. Yeah, I can watch Lapita like a million times, uh, but this one is not an easy, an easy world to sort of dive back into. Um, and I'm, I'm not someone who cries very often during movies, so this one didn't quite get me on that level. So I, I, I never cry watching it, but it's just such a, an amazing piece of work. It, it's something that both could, and couldn't be told as a live action film. Like the sort of but it was, wasn't it? They filmed a live action version later. Yeah, I read that. I've, I mean, I've never seen any of those versions. I'm I sure have either. But like, I looked it up and good. I saw that. And I was like, how dare they film a live action version of this? Because now I don't need that. Like, anywho, sorry, interjection. No, that's okay. And I mean, and on that front, I think um, I read that the the author of the short story this is based on thought it couldn't be captured any other way. Um, that sort of the mix of it being sort of, I mean, obviously it's a, you know, a real event, but at the time it didn't feel like something that was um, really happening. That sort of that scorched earth and decay is something that is almost fantastical and something that couldn't mm-hmm. really be captured in the same way by filming it and having real sort of child actors in it. Um, but no, I, I, I do love this film. I think it's so well done. And I think, Takahata definitely sets himself apart from Miyazaki in the various ways that he um, approaches uh, his material. Something we'll, we can get into more once we've seen more of his films and we, can, we have a better sense of what sort of themes and um, his, his general approach and how that differs uh, to Miyazaki's. But yeah, this is definitely one of my favourites, but again, not one that... I like to revisit that many times. Having said that, I've probably seen it four times. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's 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 quite low for for a Studio Ghibli film for me. Do you imagine this is one that you want to revisit? Or no? Uh, I mean, I was gonna I was gonna interject there. I don't. I get that. Okay, I get the desire not to rewatch this film over and over again. Again, I think you already touched on. It's beautiful. It's so well done. But the subject matter, the hyper reality of it, which is so funny because it's an animated film. So like, how can something animated be super hyper realistic? But the but that just speaks volumes to um, the creativity of this film in general. But it's just so hyper realistic to me, and it unabashedly shows the horror and trauma of war in general on 
all facets of life and domestic life and family and and childhood it is not something that i would be like oh let's pop in grave of the fireflies let's pop some popcorn and like sit down and enjoy this movie no i would not do that right no but did we even do the synopsis for this film yet or am i just crazy well, I vaguely um, said it in my introduction. <laughs> okay, okay, about, good. Not a bang about it. A, a young boy and his sister during World War II. Yeah, well, I guess we're assuming that people who listen to this podcast have seen this movie. Yeah, but, um, it's going to be very confusing otherwise. Just on your on your um, point about it being sort of hyper realistic, um, it is in many ways. But there there is all, there are sort of those artistic touches with the sort of the afterworld. Um, characters sort of revisiting the moments from the past with that sort of beautiful sort of red glow around it and how he sort of frames it that way as and I'd also say I know you were saying sort of it's it feels strange for these animated movies to be hyper realistic but I feel in every Ghibli movie there there's very much efforts made to ground things in a certain reality from on on two perspectives both I think the the sort of textures and backgrounds are always very detailed and like detail oriented. And then also I think the actions of the character of the characters are very sort of well observed in all the movies and, and come across as quite realistic. Um, But I I do know what you mean. This is as sort of real to life as these movies have been so far, but we will see a little bit more of that um, throughout the filmography. No, I agree. I completely agree. I don't want to like detract from the prior films. I guess, I guess when I, I mean, not, not saying that you were saying that's what I said, but I guess when I bring up hyper-realism, it was just, (laughs) it was because I agree with you, everything you just said, the idea that um, the, the focus on the, the setting these people in their world, even if their world is fantastical, but setting them in a very uh, relatable world that has fantastical elements, but that can be, but that you also feel is is founded in in our world and our reality in some way, even if it was in the past or in the future or what have you. So I totally get that. I guess this one was just more so because it had to do with a very specific event in human history and in a specific event that is, you know, very very recent and one that completely shaped the the future of japan as a country and the future of the world as a country are you kidding me like the first atomic bomb droppings the first i mean not that they touched upon that in the movie but like that war reshaped the world and i think that this one it touching on in a very specific moment in japanese culture and the perils in which the everyday human being went through Oh, yeah. Oh, it was just too raw for me. And I loved every second of it. (laughs) I do enjoy that about this movie that none of it, like a traditional American war movie is almost always about the actual fighting. And there's no, I mean, there are the bombings, but that's very much not important. It's always about the after effect of it and the, yeah, the impact of that warfare on the civilians. There's, there's, there's no, this isn't a war movie in that sense, which I think is why a lot of people call it sort of an anti-war film. But 
yeah, it's it's it, it's very much the the focus is not on any of the actual conflict, which I think is quite refreshing, and makes it even more of a horrifying experience because you don't even have those mm-hmm. visceral thrills of action to sort of hold on to. It's all it's all to about You can't escape any of it. Like it's just bombs after bombs after bombs, and it's like them like running back to the shelter. Like I. Uh, yeah. I will also say, so, I mean, like, when I think of this film, in my head, it's basically sort of wall-to-wall horrible things happening. But I do think there's enough touches um, of Takahata trying to find nice moments, um, especially for the children to to have in between all of this, all of the horrible things that are going on. Did, did you get a sense of that, or did you feel it was pretty much all horrible all the time no 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 i think that's some of the beauty in it and it's uh, and i think that that boils down to just the bond between brother and sister sita and setsuko like it's that bond of a young man and i'm not even actually i'm gonna take that back he's not even a man he's a young boy he's yeah 13 he's a teenager having to become a parent to his little sister and trying to shelter her from everything that's happening. Like it comes down to everything that he did for her was an effort to, to shroud and hide the horrors of what was happening around her from giving her the fruit drops to building them a home together and like leaving this unsavory place with that nasty woman she's a bitch i'm gonna say it um but i get her like i get her but i can hate her but she's a bitch to getting into the mines and then to them to like him bringing in the fireflies like every moment was an effort to distract her and to have to bring joy and it that like that in and of itself that that level of selflessness that's coming from somebody who's such an adolescent and a teenager who doesn't even who doesn't even he's grappling with what's going on right now and the fact that he can also be grappling with that but care for somebody else so much oh gosh that that sent me spiraling <laughs> how about you yeah you yeah I mean, like... moments there are beautiful moments in it yeah, I think, I mean, obviously the fireflies of the title, the the scene where he captures all of them is, I mean, it's those scenes are so important to this not being a complete, um, complete downer of a movie because, yeah, just that sort of, those quick moments of fantasies that, that they can have within this very horrible escapism. reality. Yeah, escapism is very important. But then then there's the um, the other side of that when you see, in the scene after or a little bit later that she's gathered all, up all the dead fireflies and is sort of burying them um, sort of like at the, which is sort of a parallel obviously to all the corpses that have been sort of buried and incinerated um, throughout the movie it's another sort of beautiful sort of visual touch and it's sort of yeah it's the it's the two sides of what's happening they're sort of they're, they're trying to find this joy but at the end of the day everyone's dying and there's not much good happening at the moment on that on the point of his character i i do think that he's a very um 
one of the sort of best defined characters in the Studio Ghibli canon. I don't really think about him very often, again, because I don't watch these very often, but just that sort of very real relationship which he has with his sister. And we can see himself merging into that sort of father role throughout, mm-hmm. um, uh, well, protector role throughout the movie, but also that he's, to be honest, his stubbornness is perhaps what gets them killed in the end by moving away from the auntie and making that decision to like, I mean, yeah, I didn't, she's not a very easy person to live with, but you know, she's going through her own crap at the time and he, they, they had a reasonable thing going on um, there. It wasn't, it wasn't amazing, but he could have, you know, played nicer. He could have, I mean, one thing was that confused me was he, they obviously had some friends in town as well and some neighbors, like the ones that were look, that um were friends with the mother in the hospital at the beginning that there were sort of other people he could have gone to but he made the decision that they didn't need anybody else and he went out on the road by himself basically and again yes because he's an adolescent and he's making some terrible choices but i do love that he's able to the film allows him to be flawed and mm-hmm. yeah it doesn't have a good a good ending but it gives them enough um nice moments in between oh no yeah i actually was gonna say like uh given given that take i completely agree with you like you touched upon the 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 inability to bite his pride and to kind of suck it up and deal with that situation with the i forget her name but the woman that was taking care of them or not taking care of them but like allowing them to live with her i could be completely putting my foot in my mouth but i think that kind of plays into the just Japanese culture in general, like a very proud nation and wanting to be able to take care of themselves and not wanting to be indebted to somebody and to that extent, especially when they've been shamed. I think there's a lot of shame that goes into that too. And I'm not saying, I think that that's what makes this so tragic is that yes, he could have just been the bullet and like went back there and been completely servile um, subservient rather to her and yeah his sister would probably be alive but there's that that sense of pride but having said that um do you hate him for it no of course not no he's he's <laughs> a he's a great brother but um he i think we can objectively say that he probably made the wrong choice uh but obviously he didn't know at the time and he thought they could live a good life um and yeah he was in way over his head he's never had to do anything like this before exactly. so no, I, I totally understand his decision um and i would have been very frustrated with that woman as well but uh yeah <laughs> his, his pride definitely takes hold she and made yeah, them he's... sell the clothes to get rice and then she's like oh here's your little portion of this rice i was like i don't like you like we yeah we're gonna have problems that's nasty <laughs> Did you have any more thoughts about the visuals on this film and, and whether you think they, they differ at all from the sort of things we see with Miyazaki or if it's if it feels a little bit of a piece with what we've seen before? You know what? I actually, like, I mean, I knew it was a different director at the time that I watched it, but I didn't give it that much thought. I think I was immediately sucked into, um, into 
the moments that were happening in front of my eyes. I didn't really give it thought in terms of the different styles of animation, but this one I feel like had um, it. The difference that immediately sticks out to me is is that it it had moments that focused more on um, what's the word I'm looking for, uh, like like fo- uh, flashbacks and moments or moments of alternate reality and like um, like in the beginning when he that guard person throws that fruit drops can out. And then yeah. uh, Sita picks it up, and you know, like it's like kind of like this ghostly moment. And so, and then at the end, when it kind of shows her while she was alone without him, and so they're kind of like those moments. But I mean, it still had very incredible visuals, and we've been talking about this since the first episode we've done. Like, I don't feel like there's been one 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 of these films where I was like, oh, the animation's bad. You know what I mean? Yeah, but I had I had some some very emotional moments that was some of these scenes in the film, and so yeah, some of them. I guess we can discuss them when we talk yeah. about our favorite favorite yeah. sequences. Are, are, do Do you recognize any differences having seen these movies many times? A little bit. I mean, obviously, the it, it, coming from the same studio, it's still sort of the same animators. It's you know, it's 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 taking. It's being sort of created around the same time. There's, we'll, we can, we, we'll get a little bit into this when I go through the new criteria for for, for these Isao Takahata films. I will I will say he definitely mixes things up more visually than Miyazaki does. He, Miyazaki's films definitely feel like they all take place in one universe and there's sort of a, yeah, there's sort of the narrative works in mm-hmm. a linear fashion and the animation suits mm-hmm. whatever story he's telling. But Takahata takes a little bit more risks visually. And yeah, you'll come to see that when we see a few more of his films down the line. I mean, I couldn't say whether I like prefer one more than the other, but I don't, I, I wouldn't say that I prefer Miyazaki anymore, um, even though his films are discussed more. I think I enjoy all of Takahata's films. Some of them are at the very sort of top end of my Studio Ghibli list, so. Ooh, I, I think he's I a can't great wait until we get to the end, and I, I need know. your definitive well, list. Yeah, we'll have to get yours as well at the end. We'll have a whole episode about our definitive lists where we just oh, run it down and we can rank it. The only other point I was going to mention is that, similar to Miyazaki, I feel like the things that I enjoy about Ghibli films are is that sort of attention to detail and sort of the way that the films revel in those sort of realistic touches and humane behaviours that you wouldn't necessarily expect an animated movie to take the time to sort of do. Just just all that attention that's paid to the lolly tin and, you know, the little bit oh. of crumbs that fall out, the way they act around that, all the way, like when Setsuko sort of, when they're at the beach and she's just sort of like daintily folding up her little you know, shirt and everything. And then like, sort of, I'm going like, to cry. Her teeth when she sort of runs into the water and she's like following the crab doing like a little dance. And then they come, she comes across the corpse, which is, yeah. Another one of the scenes that I quite enjoy. Um, and I, I'd say that Takahata sort of probably does this even more, takes the time to sort of have those little touches, which I think take, which elevate these films to another level. It's not just about, having things happening all the time. It's about sort of creating a world 
and defining character by action and putting them in this sort of very real world with very real and human behaviors. Mm-hmm. I couldn't agree more. Great. Shall we discuss our favorite shots and sequences? Why don't you go first? Oh, shoot. Where do I start? Um, I guess one of the first, I mean, the first, I'll go right the beginning. Like, again, I kind of touched on it when the tin camps thrown out there. And then this little girl picked it up and I was kind of confused at first. I was like, oh, who's this little <laughs> girl? And like this man appeared and then they got in this kind of ghostly train. That was, that was powerful. And then I'm going to give you my rundown. I have many. And then another one that stands out to me again, I already kind of touched on it, but the, the mother with the maggots on her body and then just like hucking her body into that grave that was traumatizing and for a young man a young boy to go through that traumatizing um and then we already mentioned the fireflies inside the kind of the tent moment um the sita flashbacks um when when he took off sita's shirt and his own shirt when they're next to the river and they're like their rash moments on their backs and i was just like what and then when they go to the doctor's office and they, he's like, oh, you need to fix her. And then the doctor's like, oh, she just has malnutrition. Next. Like, no, it's just <laughs> so depressing. What, what are some of your favorites? Um, yeah, I, I kept adding mine, adding to my list of favorite sequences. Favorite shot, I don't know. I mean, it could be any of them, but there's just... I mean, there's the initial sequence of sort of corpses being thrown in and then sort of being incinerated. But then, like, a little bit later, like, once we, we already kind of know that she's dead, there's just, like, a two-second shot of the mother being thrown into the pit. And it's just, like, right? such a jarring moment. And, you know, obviously I don't, I don't think it's, like, cool because it's, like, morbid or anything, but it's just, like, such a shocking, jarring moment of horror. Um of the realities of what they're, what they're doing to the dead and what's happening around them. Um, that, that just, I just had to note that down probably as my favorite shot. Favorite sequence. I think I'm pretty sure it's after, um, Setsuko has died. There's just sort of a series of shots of Setsuko playing around the, their little shelter shots that have obviously things that she's had done in the past. Like she's sort of like, playing rock, paper, scissors with her reflection in the water and she's just running around and she's like on a little swing and she's just sort of, you know, having fun and sort of remembering the the better times that they've had there. And I think that's probably my favourite. I think scenes like that are sort of key to um, showing that sort of humanity and joy in, in a movie that otherwise doesn't have a lot of that because of its, because of the <laughs> nature of the story it's telling, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's probably my favorite sequence. I also do love oh, the, the scene on the scene on the beach when she's following the crabs, and then it's so cute. She just sees like the dead body um, from underneath. So normally we'd be discussing connections. Now I feel, I feel like we'll do that more probably in terms of connecting films from the same directors um, mm-hmm. with other films they've done. But do you see many many connections between? Um, what's happening here and previous films? Well, um, a little bit. 
I mean, the, the, the only connection I would make is we, we touched on it at the beginning of this episode. We touched on it in the last episode, too, is the connection to the fact that it was played alongside My Neighbor Totoro. Mm. And so not that they not that these films are the exact same story, but the fact that I feel like My Neighbor Totoro played with an idea of like taking place decades ago, meant a long time ago, and you know, it kind of had that nostalgic feel. This film... Clearly, the time period was 1945. They set the time period for us. It's World War II, and so there was a there was a, a common common thread in that way that it it took place um, before the the contemporary moment that was what 1988. So that was one of the only connections that I felt that and like the sibling the sibling aspect of it, like you know, with my neighbor Totoro. Yeah, I, I wrote down that um, I think the the setting and the sort of family dynamics are, mm-hmm. are not too far removed um, from Totoro. I mean, there's even scenes of them, like, the fa- like the, the two kids, like, in the bath together, like, similar scenes you see oh, yeah. in My Neighbor Totoro. And, yeah, it's in sort of a similar – I mean, obviously, the beginning is in the city, but um, they do end up, obviously, in a more bucolic sort of naturalistic setting as well. So. That that definitely feels uh, quite similar. But I said tonally, it's, I mean, maybe not really on the same level, maybe closer to Nausicaa, <laughs> yeah, if anything, which is another sort of serious war movie in some ways. But yeah, otherwise it's, yeah, quite, quite different, I think. So with the Miyazaki movies, I had five different criteria that we used to help rate the movies. I've created five new criteria for the Takahata movies, of which there will be five that we'll be going through throughout this series. Now, you don't know what these are yet, so (laughs) you'll be sort of rating these as you go and sort of talking through them as you go. I'll start with the first one because it's one of the five that is the same, and that's the focus on environmental concerns. Now, what would you give that for this one? Feel free to take a little bit of time to, to think on it. Yeah, no, um, I, uh, I'm going to give it a zero. Like I don't, cause we, we rate, we, we give the idea we, our scale is a zero, one or a two and a zero is slim or not at all. And so I would say it's closer to none and all than slim in my eyes, because it was more concerned with humans and their lives rather than the impacts of war on land. Um, I mean, it showed the impacts of war on structures, but not so much the impacts of what it would have to do with the environment. So I give it a zero. How about you? I've written one, but I don't know if that's just my mind tricking me because I know that it takes place sort of in a sort of naturalistic setting. Yeah. But there, there, there really isn't much commentary on it. So I'll, I'll probably say zero as well. Um, cause yeah, even though they've sort of, you know, there's elements of farming and yeah. things like that. It's, it's not, it's, it's kind of, it's a bit of a stretch. So the second one is a, it might be hard for you to have to consider this, but it's a unique animation style. That's what the second point is. Ooh. Um, it, I think that it was unique in the sense, I'm just going to go back to the realism this was yeah. a very hyper realistic thing and yeah 
So I would I would give it a two. It felt very unique to me. Yeah, I'd give it a two as well. Um, mostly not because of the realism for me, but for the fact that it 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 is playing with those sort of two main visual palettes, which is sort of that hyper realism and then that hyper fantastical sort of red glow of the um, afterlife scenes as well as and then sort of that sort of playing that red glow off the sort of green glow that you get um, with the fireflies I think it is doing something a little bit more interesting and then there were also some sort of flashbacks which had sort of a slightly different visual feel Mm -hmm. so I say this is maybe less unique perhaps than even some of his future films but I'm still going to stick with two for that so this one will be probably an easier one and to be honest I feel like this will be true of all of his which is why I chose it but maybe that becomes a bit of pointless at a certain point but I said a distinctly Japanese narrative oh yeah yeah I'd go to go straight up two on this one Japan World War Two is our setting yeah I also give it a two the point of this is a lot of Miyazaki film and We'll we'll see it when we talk about Kiki's Delivery Service. Have a sort of very almost Western environment. Like they they look like they could be taking place in Europe. That the the they're kind of agnostic in terms of yeah like, yeah exactly. And the narratives don't necessarily feel like it's coming from a culturally Japanese place either. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe a little bit, maybe in ways we're not really picking up on. But yeah, you, you feel like something like Kiki's Delivery Service could be made by an American film studio and not necessarily be all that different. It would probably be a little bit different. Don't but... spoil it for me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, in this case, I do think it has a distinctly Japanese narrative. And, yeah, the the, the characters definitely, well, they are Japanese. So there's, there's not much to talk about this. In, in future ones, it might be a little bit more ambiguous, but... So the next one is an interest in the passing of time. Now that maybe sounds a little bit vague. It was hard for me to explain what that means. Um, but from from whatever you get out of that, what what would you give it? An interest in passing of the time. Yeah, um, I was, it was going to be something about past and present or how things change over time oh, like, or with okay. aging as well oh, yeah. but I realized there were a lot of different elements that came into it so I just the passing of time is is what I sort of came down to no I get that and so my interpretation of that would be we saw it felt like we saw a lot of time pass within this this film I mean I assumed that it wasn't just like two weeks in which they perished and so I feel like there was a lot of time to pass through. I mean, we even saw those those kids come and find them living in the bomb shelters. And so I felt like there was a lot of time. And then uh, the obvious fact that we start the, the film at the beginning with him just perishing in that subway tunnel, essentially, or that train station or wherever it was. Um, and some time had passed since he'd gone through this incredible trauma. So I would give it, I mean... His whole life didn't go before his eyes, so I'd give it probably a one. Sure. I mean, that's a valid take on this, but not nece- the idea is not necessarily that, you know, a lot of time passes in this movie, but maybe even just from the idea that we do start in one place, sort of go back in time, there are flashbacks. Oh, okay. There are, there You're kind of like jumping around a lot. 
Yeah, again, it's it won't necessarily it'll it'll mean different things for different movies, which sounds weird. But yeah, just the idea of time being an important factor, and also, I mean, I, I gave this too, but the fact that we're looking at there's a reason why we have movies set in the past. It's not just to tell an old story, but it's also to mm-hmm. reflect upon you know how events of the past either may have shaped you know Japan as a nation or how we're sort of doomed to repeat things like there's a reason why we look back at things that we've done before and what that says about what's happening now so I think there's there's also an element of that in this film so I'm giving that a two Mm -hmm. the last one yes (laughs) the last one is a little bit of a silly oh I was gonna say silly but in this film it's absolutely not it's a focus on food um I'll go first I gave it a two Food plays a very important role, like not just in the fact that they probably died because they haven't been eating enough food or they haven't been eating the right food, but just the sort of power play at work with the aunt giving rice to, you know, certain people in the family. And even in the scene before that, before they explicitly mention the rice, you can see when she's serving the food to, um, you know, the other family members and the boarders that some people just get that that's, Seta and Setsuko only got a bit of the sort of maybe like the miso or whatever, and then everyone else got served more. You know, it's it's a very quick thing that you could miss if you weren't sort of paying attention to how the food is being passed out. But it's a very intentional thing, and I mean that probably that you know that that's one of the reasons why they end up leaving in the, in the first place. So I think food definitely plays an important role in that sense, in that sort of in the way that food can be used as a power play, but then also mm. obviously the fact that, you know, you need food to live. Um, what, what would you give the focus on food as a character, as a point? I here? feel like you literally stole the words out of my mouth, right? When you brought the category, because it is again, not just nutrition, but it's a power play thing, especially in a situation like this. And even them trying to like barter with food, I mean, can I buy Mm -hmm. some food from you from the farmer? And the farmer's like, I don't, I don't have any more food for you to buy. I barely have enough. I have to give this food to the army kind of thing. So yes, it's very, very intense dynamic in this film. So I give it a two. And also um, the, those, that candy tin is obviously an important part of it as well. Obviously not just for the nutritional element because there is none, but um, just. But the happiness it provides. Yeah, that, that sweet bit of that sweet treat and how that sort of connects her to better times um and how that's used as a way to sort of remember that life isn't always horrible is very important um so you gave that a two right yes okay so out of 10 for those what did you end up did you you can do some quick maths i gave it a seven there we go and for the movie can i get to ask you what do you give yeah, what did you give the movie itself? You got to go first. So, years ago, I made a, I made I made a list of these and I rated them all out of ten. I was I was tempted Ooh. to go back and look at what I gave it. I didn't, but this time I I, I gave this movie an eight and a half. Yes, halves are allowed because I'm very much a half person. Um, Same. Yeah, so I gave an eight and a half out of ten. I mean that the one and a half that's missing is not really. It's nothing to do with the quality of the film. It's more to do with my ability to watch it. And, you know, um, 
and be engaged when there's so so many sort of horrible things happening at once. Um, but yeah, it's it's absolutely, I believe it it is a great movie. Um, yeah, and eight point five is really high for me anyway. It's perfect, but I. I, I don't want to watch it for for a little while. What, what, what would you give it? I assume you'd give it quite a high rating. I did. I'd give it a 9.5. It's my... This will be fun to see how we rank these later. I Like you said, I mean, End All Be All, it's not a film that I would watch uh, to pass the time or to just, like, escape. It's a, it's a film that I would watch to, to engage with and teach people. So... But I love it. I think it's incredible, and I think it's essential viewing. That's why I give it a 9.5. There we go. Well, that's a perfect way to end this. I guess I'll talk to you next time when we look at Kiki's Delivery Service. See ya. Bye-bye.